Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, like Mike just read, verses 4 through 17. We're taking a look today, and I want to emphasize what Larry just spoke to you about, how the Bible is the Word of God and how the Word of God changes lives. So the setting of this passage here today is we have the Apostle Paul writing this letter to a young man named Timothy. Now Paul is writing this from his imprisonment in Rome. He is under Roman house arrest and he's writing this to a young pastor in the city of Ephesus named Timothy. And he says to Timothy, hey, Timothy, difficult times will come. Evil is going to become more rampant and widespread in the world. And I need you to hold steady. I need you to understand that things aren't always going to be easy. In fact, there's going to be imposters that are going to come and they're going to infiltrate the church. And they're going to try to make an impact and take the church off its message. And so Paul writes to Timothy the, this warning sign and it gives him some advice. He gives him guidance on how to remain effective in his ministry and how to prevent himself from becoming swept up in a decaying culture. Don't you feel that way? How do I keep myself from being swept up in a decaying culture and walk in the road that the culture is walking? I want to set myself apart for godliness. And so that's exactly the information that Paul is giving Timothy today. And he tells Timothy this. He says, Timothy, I need you to continue in the things that you learned. Now that word continue that's a beautiful word in the Greek because it means to dwell and it means to abide. What do you think of when you hear the word dwell? That's my dwelling place. That's where I dwell. This is where I abide. He is saying, I want you to live. I want you to camp. I want you to stay in the things that you have learned. What did Timothy learn? Timothy learned the faith from his mother and his grandmother, his family. And he learned the faith through the Apostle Paul. But he was really learned all the principles of the faith through the scriptures. And so Paul says to him, I want you to continue in these things, Timothy, because there in verse 15 of chapter 3 it says this, the scriptures give wisdom that lead to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then Paul also goes on to tell Timothy that these scriptures, they do much more, young Timothy. They instruct, they convict, they correct, and they teach us what is right. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, how? How can the scriptures do that? How can the Bible do that? Well, it can do that. For one reason and one reason only, and that is because it is God-breathed. That is the title of today's message, God-breathed. And we get that from where it says in the scriptures there, in that passage, it talks about all scriptures are inspired by God. 
in the Greek that actually means God breathe. It uses a Greek word, nuo, and that's where we get our English word for pneumatic. You know, pneumatic means run powered by air. And so that's what this means is that the Bible is God breathed. You know, God breathed the breath of life into mankind when he formed man out of the dust. And he breathes life into the scriptures. And so here at this church, we believe that the scriptures are inspired and authored by almighty God. In fact, it's there on your note card, our statement of faith in regards to the Bible. I'm going to read that to you like this. It says this, we believe, this is you, Creekside Church. You all raised your hands and you approved this to put this in your statement of faith. We believe the Bible, composed of the Old and New Testaments, is God's revelation to us, written by human authors who were supernaturally guided by the Holy Spirit. As the inspired word of God, it is without error in the original manuscripts and serves as our supreme and final authority in all matters in which it speaks. Hallelujah. The Bible is it, baby. There is nothing else that compares to the Bible. There is nothing else that is on the same level of the scriptures. And so here in this short period of time, I just want to give you some evidences of why the Bible is God-breathed, why we can depend on the Bible as having evidence of divine inspiration of God. Number one, there was our principle for today. The Bible is God-breathed. Hey, here's a good point. As the culture descends into godlessness, the scriptures train us in godliness. The first point I want to make to, the, to this point about the Bible being the word of God and God breathed is number one, the Bible is indestructible. The Bible cannot be removed. The Bible cannot be destroyed. It is indestructible. February 23rd in the year 303, Roman emperor by the name of Diocletian he issued a royal edict to destroy Christians and all their Bibles. In fact, over top of a burned Bible, he built a monument on which he wrote these words. The name Christian is extinguished. Just a few years later, he was dead and Christianity had spread even further in the Roman Empire. In the year 1776, a French philosopher by the name of Voltaire, he announced... 100 years from my day, there will not be a Bible in the earth except one that is looked upon by some antique seeker. Well, 100 years later, Voltaire was dead and his own house and his own press were being used to print and store Bibles by the Geneva Bible Society. You cannot destroy the Word of God. The Word of God is illegal, like Larry said, in about 52 states or 52 countries that we know of. And it seems to be that the more people fight the Word of God and try to suppress it and hold it down, the more it grows. It's a great anomaly, my friends. You just can't destroy the Bible. You know, it grows further and further. You know, in 2005, there were 25 million Bibles that were sold. Year after year, the Bible continues to be the best-selling book. 
2005, 25 million Bibles were sold. More than two times as much as the hottest book of the year, Harry Potter. My friends, the Bible cannot be destroyed. In 1947, some shepherds out by uh, in the caves near the Dead Sea, they found manuscripts of the scriptures and in them were writings from every single Old Testament book except the book of Esther including the entire book of Isaiah and what they found was nearly a perfect match with only discrepancies being insignificant punctuation errors you see it's called the ministry of preservation God is always going to work to preserve his word my friends you don't have to worry about people miscopying the word of God oh all those years all those people involved somebody must have messed up somewhere no they didn't what we found back then in 47 was a perfect match to what we have today do you believe God is the creator of all things do you believe that he sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for the salvation of your soul do you believe he created the heavens and the earth well then my goodness people he can most certainly preserve his word he most certainly can preserve his word no you don't have to worry about this being wrong you don't have to worry about this being an error my friends have faith have comfort have peace the word of God is preserved and what you have in front of you right now is God breathed word of God Jesus said this in Luke 16 17 it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter of the law to fail God's word will endure eternally Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 the grass withers the flower fades but the word of our God stands forever Ever. You know, books don't stay in circulation very long. They say the average book stays in circulation about five to ten years. You know, classics that we have today, like The Catcher in the Rye and To Kill a Mockingbird, those are only about 75 years old, if that. They haven't been in circulation very long, but they've outlived the average length of a book in circulation. <clears throat> the Word of God beats them all. That's because the word of God cannot be destroyed and it will endure forever. You know, the second reason I can tell you that the Bible is God breathed is because the Bible is reliable. The physical evidence that we have far surpasses anything else that we have. My friends, listen to me. There is nothing even close to the manuscripts that we have to prove the scriptures correct right now in existence today we have over 25,000 manuscripts dating back to over a thousand years ago that prove the authenticity of the Bible today we have nearly 6,000 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament they can actually be seen you can physically go and see them Three of the oldest manuscripts that we have today are in Oxford, England. Nothing compares. In the first century, there was a book written by uh, describing the Gaelic Wars of Caesar. Today, in existence, there are ten copies left. You have heard of a man named Aristotle. He wrote a collection of poems in the fourth century B.C. Today, there are only five copies copies 
left. That's as close as it gets to the Bible, who has tens of thousands of manuscripts and parchments that verify what we have today has been preserved by Almighty God. My friends, nothing comes close to the Word of God. God's Word accurately predicts the future. Luke 24, 44, Jesus says this, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. No other writing can say that, but other writings can prove that there are many fails. You remember the Maya apocalypse of 2012? I remember that. That was a little over a decade ago. December 21st, 2012, the Mayans said that the end of the world is going to come. They said the earth would collide with another planet and solar flares would come off the sun and burn us all. And that will do it right there. I think it's still spinning on its axis, don't you? William Miller, he was a seven-day Adventist preacher. In 1843, he calculated some numbers in the Bible and said... 1843, that's when the end of the world is going to come. 1843 came and went, and people got sad, sad faces. And he said, what happened, Mr. Miller? He recalculated and said, oh, it'll be 1844. Well, that came and went. Didn't happen, did it? In 1666 in Europe, they said, ooh, 1666. That's the mark of the beast, 666. That's in the Bible. That right there is going to be the end of the world. Well, they had a great fire in London in September of that year. They had over 13,000 houses that burned. But miraculously, only 10 people died. Not the end of the world, right? You see, Jesus says this, No man knows the hour or the day. Jesus himself fulfilled over 300 prophecies during his ministry. My friends, the Bible has an accuracy rating of 100%. The Bible has never been proved wrong. Not ever, and it never will be. It will stand forever. You know, one of the great evidences that the word of God is God-breathed is the changed lives Larry spoke to that beautifully about the testimonies of people who read the word of God and it changes their lives. 60 million people in America today will attend church. You say, well, that seems like a kind of a small number. We've got, what, about 350 million? You're about 20% of the population is going to attend church on a Sunday in America. But a lot of them can speak to the testimony of how the word of God has changed their lives. The salvations, the families that have been mended, the addictions that have been broken, and the biggest thing, the commitment to Jesus Christ. Believers simply will not abandon Christ. They will burn at the stake before they will deny Jesus Christ. People who have had their hearts changed will die before they deny Jesus that is evidence of the power of God's word. The final thing I want to share with you here this morning is this. We know that the word of God is God-breathed because it is offensive to human nature. You see, human nature is sinful. We like to sin. 
and we are very good at it. We like sexual sin. We like violence. We like greed. We like deception. We enjoy telling lies. Human nature likes to sin, and we're very good at it. But the Bible says these things are wrong. And we see this in our culture today with sexuality and with gender, with the sanctity of life, marriage, other things like censorship and infringement on religious rights of Christians. We see how the word of God pierces the hearts of our culture and rails against the very things that human nature wants to do. Human nature says, go on and sin, get as much of it as you want, and enjoy the ride, my friend. Have at it. You only live once. Sin it up. Then the word of God pierces the heart. It judges our thoughts. You know, we live in a culture... For example, if you own a bakery and you're asked to bake a cake for a ceremony that you aren't comfortable doing it for, you shouldn't be told by the government that you have to do that. Amen. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing. There's a word. Piercing. Do you remember when the word of God pierced your heart? Do you remember when the word of God cut your heart to the quick? It just took hold of it. And it wanted to turn you around. That's because the word of God is convicting. You know, conviction is a good word. And it's a good thing. Conviction is something that lets us know that we care. We have a conscience. We know a right and a wrong. And all that the scriptures do, do is it affirms what we know is already written on the tablets of human hearts. It says, this is right, this is wrong, and you know it. And you know it. There's two genders, and you know this. That's why there's such anger over that issue in our culture today because they know it and they want you to approve of it and you say no nope i'm standing with god's word and there ain't no moving me on that right first corinthians 14 25 the secrets of the heart are disclosed and so he will fall on his face and worship god declaring that god is certainly among you conviction often gets confused with guilt a lot of times when people hear the word of God, they feel guilty. Well, guilty is not the same as conviction. Guilt is when you know you've been caught doing something that you shouldn't do. Conviction is a good thing, and that's what the word of God does. The word of God prevents us from doing the things that we shouldn't and encourages us to do the things that we should. Conviction, that is how we know the word of God is God breathed my friends I'm happy that Larry came here today and shared those testimonies but as Christians 
we have got to hold up the word of God. It is the standard by which a church is built. A church is governed by the scriptures. And I love our bylaws and our constitution, but when it comes to fulfilling the role of a church, we go by what the Bible says, not by, any what man, not by what any man-made document has to say. It is the Bible first. The Bible first. The Bible first. My friends, is it the Bible first? It is the Bible first. It is the scriptures. They are supreme, inerrant, and they have the authoritative speak. Listen to what our bylaws say, our statement of faith. We believe that it serves as the supreme and final authority in all matters about which it speaks. The Bible. It is the Bible. My friends, we have been truly blessed by God to have his word the bible our commission from god is to share his word and to lead people to the lord and to baptize them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit our mission given to us by matthew 28 is very narrow focused i want you to share the gospel lead people to christ and baptize them that is our mission Everything else is just hoopla. Everything else is just secondary. That is the mission of the church. How do we know that? Because it comes from God's word. It comes from the scriptures. Let's pray and let's give an invitation to accept God's word. Heavenly Father, all praise and glory to you, God. I want to thank you for the word that you have preserved and the word that you have given to us here today that is still relevant, that still touches the human heart, enters into the soul, and cannot be denied. Father, for the hearts that have yet to accept you, now is the time of salvation. Now is the opportunity that you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Won't you invite him in now? Dear Jesus, I want you to come into my heart and I want you to be my God and my Lord. I believe you are God's son. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for my sins and I want salvation that you have to offer. Dear Jesus, I want to spend my eternity in heaven with you. Come save me now. Father, we thank you for this time. I thank you for Larry's message here today. And I thank you for the written revelation which reveals you to us and brings us into a relationship with you, the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message by Pastor Nick Stringer at Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www.creekside-church.org find us on the website. Once again, you've been listening to the Sunday Message with Pastor Nick Stringer.